One of those days where it's sunshiny and beautiful, but it's also raining at the same time. And as I looked at the side of my house today, I saw a beautiful halcyon rainbow, and I was just in pure bliss. So it's just a lovely, beautiful day today. Uh, and if you got to listen to my last episode, you'll see that my veritable life was nonetheless interesting starting at such a young age. Just kind of wanted to continue on what I was speaking about when I ran away and joined the circus. Uh, I just finished this book, and it's called Battle for the Big Top, and it's about P.T. Barnum, Ringling, and Bailey. And how is there always a fire? Okay, and there's always going to be a justifiable reason. They were using, you know, material for their tents that was extremely flammable. I mean, literally it took one cigarette to take down an entire circus tent because of the material they were using until they realized it was flammable and then switched to a different type of material. But how many coincidences do there need to be? You know, and obviously these men aren't going to sabotage their own businesses. Now, some people might say, oh, well, maybe it was for insurance. Oh, no. This actually set them back. They didn't have um, as good of insurance uh, policies back then. And to be like, okay, so what made you say, you know what, I'll just buy more animals and then keep traveling and then keep doing what I'm doing over and over and over again. You know, back then, there was not prominent electricity. It was like gasoline and lighter fluid to create light. So the possibility of fires were way more prominent, you know, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And it's just, it's tough, though, when you hear the history of it. They're like, and then again, another fire shut down the circus. Um, But I did cry in this book a few times. And there was this one moment. I don't want to ruin and be a spoiler. Spoiler! Spoiler alert! There's just this one moment in the book, um, and it's towards the end, and I, as a performer, and many people, anyone who's ever closed a show, anything like that, he had this moment where, you know, he was done, he wasn't, um, I think it was Bailey, it was Barnum or Bailey, and they had a moment before they died, they went and saw the last animal walk. And if you don't know what the animal, that's what we called it, was the animal walk, but it's also the animal parade, and they had stopped it um, Uh, for a while in history because they realized people were just going to go watch the animal walk for free, the parade, and then not buy a ticket to go see the show, right? But they did continue on the tradition because I actually um, did one of them uh, when I was working the circus. I think I mentioned this in the last episode is uh, you would get paid an extra 50 bucks if you did the animal walk. Um, But you could just stand there on the side of the street and you could pick a spot like you're watching a parade at Walt Disney World and you could watch all of the menagerie you know walk by and it was pretty cool and um they stopped that and so he uh ringling had brought it back and so he went to go watch the last parade before he died and he just had that like quiet nostalgic moment just like remembering it was kind of like he had his last like 
you know, when they say your life flashes before your eyes, before you die. That was kind of that moment for him. He's like, I spent my whole life doing this. And we had stopped it and then Ringling brought it back and then he was like, wow, look at that. And it just brought back like all of his memories, like the hardships, the good stuff, the bad stuff, like just everything and just like the tradition and like looking at the people around him who were like, wow, with their kids and pointing and, you know, it's just that kind of moment where it's like life is not meant to be understood. It's just meant to be felt. And really, the book just kind of taught me about having that constance and that gumption and that fire in your soul that, like, gets you up every day and and makes you get out there and continue to strive for those things and create your legacy. Um, because I think it's super cool. I, I feel like most people feel this way. And I think it's because of example is when you see people that leave behind a legacy and they're known after death, like that's that's the ultimate, right? Like people who talk about Jesus. I mean, look at that. That is one of the greatest stories ever told, right? It's like, man, he is in the mouths of everybody, whether it's good or bad, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, or I love you, Jesus, or Jesus take the wheel. You know, I mean, everybody wants to have a legacy. Everybody wants to be remembered. People want to be thought of. That's really, I think, is what the meaning of life is. It's just wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard in whatever capacity that is. That doesn't mean I must be the prettiest. I must be the strongest. I must be the most popular. I must be the richest. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means I want to be remembered. And some people, like psychopaths and serial killers, want to be remembered for the bad things and they succeed. And for them, they're probably real happy about that, you know? Um, But I really sometimes think uh, often uh, about what is the meaning of life, right? Why are we here? Before I get onto that, I've I've been a risk taker um, a lot of my, for most of my life. I'm not afraid to try any job. I I am afraid of heights, uh, shockingly enough. I am very afraid of heights. But I did something in my lifetime that Tiny Klein, who was 71 when she first flew as Tinkerbell. Tiny Klein was a circus performer. And it wasn't until she was 71 that because she was a circus performer, Walt Disney World was like, hey, well, actually Disneyland was like, can you be our first Tinkerbell you have experience with this because she's she did that slide for life, but like with her teeth, like she's done crazy things. Um, and she flew as Tinkerbell at 71 years old. She did it for three years uh, before she died. And um, I, I just think it's such a cool thing to think that the first Tinkerbell was so old. It's like talk about life accomplishments and like it doesn't matter it's like Betty White just passed away right and like look at her accomplishments and like what she's done it's like you're never too old you really aren't I mean if you tell yourself you are you know self-fulfilling prophecy but Tiny Klein which was a nickname her real name was Helena or Helena something like that or Helen I can't remember something like that and um but yeah 71 and I'm proud to say that I'm one of the few Tinkerbells that also got to follow in her footsteps. How cool is that? Like, how rare? Like, I feel like this is an article waiting to be written. So Tiny Klein, who was a circus performer, flew the wire. 
and she was the first. And then I did it in what? If I started Nemo in 2007, then I did Tinkerbell in 2006, right? And I was a circus performer who also did Tinkerbell. Like, what are the odds of that? I don't even know. And, like, specifically, like, the touring, like, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. Because I do know a couple of other uh, Cirque du Soleil or one other Cirque du Soleil friend uh, who also flew the wire as well. So it's just one of those cool, cool jobs. And honestly, it's like when people say to me, what's the coolest job you ever had? I always have to say that because I still can't believe I did that. Like, it is one of those jobs that like never comes around. They don't really have auditions for it. It's like you have to know somebody within, like you already have to be working for Disney and then like know somebody who knows that they're going to be doing these like very exclusive, you know, uh, job castings. And Basically, you have to be between 105 and 115 pounds. Um, I was like 114 pounds. I flew down that wire. Weight matters, people. Weight matters. Um, So I was a very fast Tinkerbell. You blinked and I was gone. But it also helps because if you're too light, then you could get stuck on the wire. Hence the the pull-ups that they make you do. So you do have to be able to do, I think it was six pull-ups. Um, I think I did seven in my audition just because I'm an overachiever. Uh, and then they hoist you up on a crane, which I actually thought that was scarier. So just the thought of being pulled up f- straight from the ground on an actual crane in broad daylight, you could like see all of 192 in Kissimmee. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I sucked it up, pretended like I wasn't scared, flew my arms about to try to look like Tinkerbell. And they're like, how was that? I'm like, totally fine. Everything's fine. I just. I wasn't scared at all. Oh, I was absolutely terrified. And then you go to – this is the inside scoop, guys. You go to the Magic Kingdom Cinderella Castle, and you go up the internal elevator, uh, and there's, like, a dressing room area where they would have equity performers typically who did, like, the regular castle show. And then there's a side door, and you go outside of the castle, up some stairs, and – you're just freeballing it because there is no harness yet. I mean, you're going to be wearing a harness, but not yet. And so I'm like, I could just like skippity-doo to the right and just jump off this castle. I'm like, but okay. And um, and then you finally make your way to the door, which is like the kind of the cylinder that goes up to the top. And they hook you up and they put a carabiner on your back and – They hook you up while you're climbing up the ladder, which I didn't really need that. And people probably don't need it, but it is possible I could trip on the way up and then slide all the way down and hurt myself. So it's great that they harness you as you're walking up the metal ladder. So you're just in this tiny cylinder. And I remember I'd like try not to look because every once in a while there'd be a Florida roach crawling up the side of that that castle on the inside and you're trapped inside with it and then i think there were wasps one time and i was like i'm going to die this if i'm not going to die by flying down this wire i'm going to get bit by a wasp and i'm going to die so <laughs> i'm just imagining myself being sung and freaking out as i fly down the wire but you get up there you have two technicians you have this tiny stool have you ever had one of those or seen anyone use one of those really like ergonomical like tiny like travel stools that it basically just goes up your anus like you just sit on it and it's just like boop and it's just like three a tripod of sticks and then this tiny little booster seat that goes like up your butt that's basically what you sit on so you're in this tiny tiny like 10 by 10 square foot spot 
That might be too much space, actually. It might be five by five. It was very small. I couldn't even believe three three people could fit in there. And then you sit on this chair and the technicians – the reason you're sitting on the chair is because the technicians have to apply the wings to your back. Now, these wings are very heavy. They're beautiful, but they are very heavy. They are full of – LED changing lights and they are very heavy. So they want you to be sitting down, make sure it's on you, and then you're good to go. Uh, and my favorite part of telling the story is, you know, it's it, it, I don't want to steal the magic away from this moment, but I also think it's just a cool thing to express. And I'm not sure many people know how this is done. So let me be the person to tell you how it's done. I mean, I don't work for the company anymore. I worked there for 20 years. And I never signed anything that said I can't talk about my job. So, um, you know, we all know the, the story of, you know, I'm friends with Minnie and Mickey and all that stuff. But, okay, we're all adults. This is an adult channel. So you're sitting on this tiny little stool and then you hear the radio that's coming in through with the technicians. And you hear the music and the show has begun. And... I mean, everything is timed, like, to a T. So first you're just kind of hanging out with the techs, like, oh, this is fun, blah, blah, blah. Everything's good to go. Also, by the way, they've changed the costume over the years, but the costume I had worn, it is not pretty. It's not pretty unless it's lit up. I mean, it's a outfit with lights on it. So it's just like Spectrum Magic. Like, the, the costumes are not as pretty unless they're lit. The hair wasn't blonde, silky hair like the regular character costume. It was a helmet, like a it looked like a like a rooster, like a chicken head. Like that's what it looked like. And it was just this yellow like plaster plastic thing and headlights all over it. So, in anywho, it wasn't the most comfortable costume either, but anyways. So, the music is going and then all of a sudden they shout out the wind so whatever the direction of the wind is blowing, you know, in case, because sometimes you will fly down this wire and you will flip in other di directions. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if you're too light, then there's a possibility you're going to have a harder time with this. And the reason for the pull-ups is if you do get stuck on the wire, you're going to have to climb yourself down the wire. Like, And luckily it's angled so like you can make your way, but it's going to take some upper body strength because no one's going to be you know, rolling out a crane. And if they do, you'll be up there for an hour before they get all the people out of the park. So you're going to have to be able to hand walk yourself down the wire. Um, but I was heavy enough. This was never a problem. I did spin from side to side because the wind was heavy one day, but that was the worst of it. So you're getting ready and they count you down like it is the Kennedy Space Center launch. Okay. And they're like, okay, Tinkerbell in 10, 9, 8. And then you're like, okay, I got 10 seconds. And you take your 10 seconds and you gargoyle yourself out to the edge, out to the edge of a giant castle. So you're 185 feet in the air. Uh, am I adding 100? Is it 85 feet and it's an illusion or is it actually 185? Oh my gosh, it's been a long time, guys. Something like that. And because I know they do make the illusion to make it look like you're high. Anyways, it's high for me. It was high. And you walk out and you... You feel like you're by yourself because nothing has pulled yet. And by that, I mean you walk out like a gargoyle, like a cat, like your hands are in front of you and your feet and you're squatting like a gargoyle. And then when they say one, you jump off. And for just a second, you feel weightless. And you're like, I'm falling. I am falling off a castle. 
and then you feel the catch of the wire. So then you finally get this kind of quick catch and you're like, huh, okay, I'm okay. And the coolest thing is while you're doing that, the music is swelling and you hear the audience go, it's Tinkerbell. And you literally hear hundreds, maybe thousands of people just gasping all at once. And it's really cool because you're like, they're looking at me. Like I'm the reason that they're like, whoa. And you know, the way that everything is built, like their voice travels, you can hear like people's conversations. Like I would actually like sometimes be like, I'm going to really listen hard today and like hear what people say. And like, you'll hear people talking to their kids and being like, look, it's Tinkerbell. And like, it's really, really special. Um, and then, of course, with the magic of Disney music, it's just the swell and the music and the magic. And it's just, oh, my gosh. And then, of course, you hear the technician yelling behind you, lights! And their purpose is to remind you, don't forget to turn on your lights so the audience can see you. And I'm like, okay. So then you click uh, your magic wand and all of your lights turn on your costume. Let's take a quick break. Natalie Simmons, author and playwright, wrote this thrilling novel called Lies in Bone. The story is relatable yet shocking as it twists and turns its mystery and takes a deep dive into life's choices, trials, and tribulations. It's quite the page turner and one of those books you can't wait to get home to read to find out what happens next. Here's what critics are saying. A moody, hard-edged, coming-of-age story that keeps the horrors coming until the very end. Your appetite for answers will be satiated, but not before you're tortured deliciously by author Natalie Simmons. If you're looking for a good read, this is it. Grab your copy of Natalie Simmons' Lies and Bone and see what so many critics are talking about. And then you fly down the wire, and it goes by so quickly. And the best part is your landing. So as you're coming in for your final landing, uh, there are two technicians, a giant mattress at the end of a rooftop, uh, just in case, which nobody ever hits the mattress, but it's like just in case, which I would have been that just in case person because I was like right at the maximum weight. Uh, and you're flying down that wire and then it's just two guys holding a blanket and they're like, here she comes and they're running with you. And then they use the blanket to slow you down and like wrap around you. So guy on either side with a blanket and then they slow you down and then you jump onto like a cushy mat and then they unhook you and you get off. And actually, it was pretty scary actually. They're like, I'm done with you. Bye, Tinkerbell. But there's this really tiny staircase, like kind of like the staircases that you see on the side of a New York City apartment, like a fire escape. It was like that. And I was like, this is actually more dangerous. And like the railings weren't very high. So I always kept thinking like, this is how I'm going to get hurt. We do all these precautions leading up to it. And then I'm not hooked to anything. I'm not harnessed. I'm just like, okay, bye. Go clock out. And I'm like, what? And I'm like going down this like fire escape and the railing's super low. It's not like a normal staircase. And I'm like, maybe they should redo this. And maybe they have. But in any case, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um, I only got to do it a handful of times uh, because at the time um, I was offered an equity contract over at Finding Nemo the musical. Um, and I knew that that was the better choice and the better opportunity. Maybe had I been offered a full-time Tinkerbell contact contract, I would have thought about it, but I wasn't. I was a sub and 
I was being offered a full-time contract at Nemo. And, you know, the way they pitched it was like, well, you still get to fly because I got to be harnessed as Squirt, the baby turtle of Crush. And I got to flip around and sing and all that stuff at the same time. So it wasn't so bad of a trade-off. But it was way too short, way too short-lived. And honestly, if I could lose the 10 pounds I would need to lose today, I would go back there in a heartbeat and do Tinkerbell. Because obviously you're never too old to fly down a wire. <laughs> Um, so just a really cool historical uh, experience. I, I, I hope I covered everything on the Tinkerbell scenario, but if anyone has any questions about it, let me know. Um, but it was super cool, and I'm so happy to be a part of the small group of amazing women who got to experience Tinkerbell. Uh, but if you didn't get to read that book, uh, Battle for the Big Top, check it out. Um, it's a great historical – also, you're going to need your dictionary. Pfft. I'm telling you, pull out your dictionary.com app while you're reading this book or take a highlighter and do it later because I don't know if this guy just used a thesaurus the entire book but like every paragraph I was like it's going to take me a year to get through this book because I'm like what is this word what is this word what is this word like just words that people don't normally use there is room in every story for a better ending uh but I think there's no way to predict our ending so the best way to do life is just to live it and follow your gut, follow your passions, follow your heart. I mean, these men were the kings of the marketing and advertising business module. I mean, they were the madmen of their time and were the car salesmen of their time before cars were even a thing, before the Ford Model T. I mean, could you imagine trying to compete with the times of that era? I mean, movies were coming out. And people wanted to spend their money going to see a flick rather than going to the circus anymore. There were so many obstacles that the circus faced in live entertainment. And it's really just um, a ode to entertainment as well and introduced the aesthetics of Broadway and motion pictures into the circus to keep up with the competition. Not to mention during the turmoils of World War One and Two and the Great Depression, but they kept trucking through the changes and had to stay ahead of the curve. So that's what makes me respect their gumption and their due diligence. It's a battle for the big top. It's a great book, and anyone who's been in the circus should read it because there's probably things in history you didn't know or didn't realize. Um, and also, go check out the museum in Tampa. Uh, but that's a little history about Katie Rose for the day. And um, thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out. And I will leave you with a quote. Humans create energy by converting thought into matter. What limits us is our willingness to try. Catch my follow-up Fridays on YouTube, where I respond to your YouTube comments on any thoughts or questions relating to each week's episode. It gives you a chance to have a more intimate conversation with me and opens up the door to new topics. Plus, you'll see yours truly mixing a new and delicious cocktail or enjoying a glass of vino each week as I tease the next episode. Find me at my YouTube channel, Katie Rose Straight Up With a Twist. And remember, if you're thinking it, I'm probably talking about it.